What this is, is this is the first song you'll find in the Bible. This is the first song you'll find in the Bible. And it's a, it's a great reason to sing. Because in, in verse 1, what they're going to start singing about is they just got through crossing the Red Sea. They'd went through all the tribulation and the troubles of being in Egypt. And they had been in bondage for over 400 years. And God showed up with Moses and Aaron and did some amazing miracles. And they seen some miracles as, they, as God was bringing these plagues down on Egypt and on Pharaoh. And so, they, so Moses brought them out, maybe close to a million of them. Nobody's for sure, but it may be a million of them. And he brought them out, and he brought them up to the, the, to the edge of a Red Sea. And as they got to the Red Sea, they were trapped. And the Bible said the way it was, and if you look on a map, they were trapped. And Pharaoh, here comes Pharaoh, and God put this fire by day and a pillar, a, a pillar of cloud by uh, day and a fire by night. And he was keeping off Pharaoh from Israel. And they were scared, and they were mumbling and grumbling. And Moses was told by God, he said, Now, Moses... I want you to lift up your hands and I'm going to do something that you're never going to forget. And when I'm done, you'll never see Pharaoh again. And when Moses got up there and he lifted up, the, he lifted up that rod and that Red Sea parted and it parted up. And it made a big old heap. And they walked across on dry land. It took them all night long to get across on dry land, go across that sea. And here comes Pharaoh and Pharaoh started following in, and God just took that sea and closed it up and drowned them. It was a miracle. It's probably uh, the greatest miracle ever seen. Because you, Jesus did some great miracles, but he, he been, it might have been seen by maybe 1,000 or 10,000 people, or you might even get 20,000 people. But we're talking about a million people seeing this miracle take place with their eyes as they seen the Red Sea part. And that's why Israel always goes back, the, the nation of Israel always, go, always goes back to this great miracle when God delivered them through the Red Sea. So they, they decided to sing a song there in verse 1. Exodus chapter 15 verse 1, Then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song unto the Lord, and spake, saying, I will sing unto the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider hath he thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and song, and he has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will prepare him a habitation. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. And they start singing this song and they start praising God. And I want to I preach this morning for, for a little while. I'm not going to keep you long. I know we have a meal in a minute. But I want to preach this morning on why we sing. And why I sing. And why you should be singing. And I think we can figure out from these scriptures why we should be singing unto the Lord. Now, what you'll notice about the Christian religion is very, very unique. There's a lot of uniqueness things about the Christian religion. A religion in general, what people would call a religion. We don't serve a religion, we serve a Savior in Jesus Christ. But what makes us really unique as a religion, if you want to say a religion, is that we're the only ones that sing to our founder. We're the only ones that sing songs to our founder. But we have a very unique founder because our founder, Jesus Christ, died for us. So we're the only ones that sing to our founder, but the reason why is because our founder loves us and died for us, and we have lots of things to sing about. And I want to show you, when you're singing songs, and we try to sing songs and, and to, to the Lord here, and uh, we try to sing them loud, and I encourage y'all, I don't care if you can sing or not, just sing loud. But notice in verse 1, Then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song unto the Lord, 
and spake, saying, I will sing unto the Lord. Brothers and sisters, when you're singing these hymns, when you're singing songs, you're not singing to anybody that's listening to you in this church. You're singing to the Lord. You should be singing to the Lord. Who cares if you can sing or not? Just make a joyful noise, a noise unto the Lord. You know, if you've got somebody beside you that don't like your singing, if they don't like it, then they need to sing louder. I really believe that. If people don't like my singing, well, then sing louder. You know, drown me out. Because I'm going to sing. I'm going to sing to the Lord. I love the Lord. I, I get excited singing songs to the Lord. I get excited singing the hymns we sing. Because I'm not singing for somebody else in this church to hear me. I'm not singing for somebody else to, to be glorified. I'm singing to glorify my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And I've got a melody in my heart. Look, look at verse 2. The Lord is my strength and my song. Listen, the reason why I sing, I sing because I got a melody in my heart. I got joy in my heart. And when you got joy in your heart, you'll sing. And that worries me sometimes when we get into this church and we're not singing very loud and the song service is not going good. That worries me. And I, I've told Wade this, I think, before. It worries me that we're not singing loud enough. Because that tells me we don't have a joy in our heart. We don't have a melody in our heart. We sing my strength and my song. We're singing because we have melodies in our heart. I remember the very first time I ever did anything for the name of Jesus Christ. I was about 11 years old. And, the, and, the, and the, uh, this guy's name was Buster. It wasn't Buster Packer, but it was Buster from another church. And he took us as a youth group. And he took us out to mow this uh, lady, uh, lady from the church her yard. And he set me up a mower, and I had never mowed in my life at like 11 years old. That shows my, I was spoiled rotten. My mom didn't make me do anything. So I get on this mower, and I'm mowing. And I remember when I'm mowing, I started singing. And I started singing songs that I knew to the Lord. I started singing. There was a melody in my heart serving the Lord. And as, at a young age, I started realizing when you're serving the Lord, there's a melody that comes into your heart. We sing because there's a melody in our heart. Look at, look at verse 2. The Lord is my strength and my song, and He has become my salvation. He has become my salvation. We sing because we're wretched sinners saved by a mighty grace. We sing because we're saved. The reason why we sing so loud is because we're saved. We've been saved for something. We've got something to be joyful about. We've got something to be joyful about because we know we're going to heaven. Listen. He has become my salvation. He is my God. He's not my mom's God. He's not my daddy's God, my grandmother's God. He's not my pastor's God. He's not Indian Gap Baptist's God. He's my God. He's a personal God to me. He's my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I sing to Him because me and Him have a relationship. He's my God. See that? He is my God. He's done something personally for me. What a friend to sinners. I sing to him because he belongs to me and I belong to him. You know, one of my favorite hymns, and uh, Wade and them know this because I make them sing. When we have revivals, I make them sing this song all the time because <laughs> it's my favorite. Jesus, what a friend to sinners. Jesus, what a friend for sinners. Jesus, lover of my soul. Friends may fail me, foes may assail me, but he, my Savior, makes me whole. This is my favorite verse. Jesus, I do now receive him more than all in him I find. He hath granted me forgiveness. I am his and he is mine. Hallelujah, what a savior. Hallelujah, what a friend. Saving, helping, keeping, loving. He is with me to the end. 
The reason why I sing is because I've got a Savior. And it's not only a Savior that saved me, but He lets me have a personal relationship with Him. He's my God. He's mine. And I'm His. I belong to Him, and He belongs to me. Guys, I want y'all to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, where you can say, Jesus Christ is my friend. And, he's, and I'm His friend. And I'm His. And his. You know, in the Song of Solomon, uh, in the Song of Solomon, when the, it's, it's, it's Solomon, and it's a type of the church and Jesus Christ, the bride and the groom, and, and they're singing these love songs. But in that Song of Solomon, I think it's in chapter 2, it said, My beloved is mine and I am his. 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 That's why I sing. I sing because I'm in love with somebody. I'm in love with Jesus Christ. When I'm not singing songs like I should about Jesus Christ, it's because I'm not in love with him like I should. Jesus Christ, uh, he got onto the church in Revelation. He said, you've left your first love. You should love Jesus Christ more than you love your wife or your husband or your mom or your kids or your grandkids. You should love him more than anybody else. Listen to me. You might not believe that, but you should because if you can find a way to love Jesus Christ more than anybody else, it'll make you a better husband. It'll make you a better granddad. It'll make you a better friend. If you can find a way to put all your love on Jesus Christ, it'll make you the kind of husband, the kind of wife or whatever you're trying to be. It'll make you a better one of those. It makes you better to love Jesus Christ. And when we fall out of love with Jesus Christ, we're in a sad shape. I sing because he is my God. I sing and I will prepare him. Verse 2, I will prepare him a habitation. The reason we sing is because we get our hearts ready to receive the Holy Spirit. If you're a born again believer, you have the Holy Spirit dwelling in you, but you can quench him. And when you sing, it, it stirs your spirit up. It stirs the Holy Spirit up in you. It gets you ready. It gets you, it gets you ready to receive Him. It gets you ready to, to think about Him. It gets you to thinking on Him. And that's why we sing. We sing because we sing because we prepare Him a habitation. We sing because He's my Father's God. There in verse 2, my Father's God. We sing because we have a heritage. We sing because we have a heritage as Christians. Guys, I, I appreciate the heritage we have as Christians. And that's what's wrong with this country. They don't, they, they don't, we don't have any kind of uh, honor for our heritage. We don't have any kind of honor for our heritage as a country and what this country stands for and the Christ, Christian principles this country stands for. We have a heritage that we should be proud of. As a country, we should be proud of to be Americans. We have a heritage, but we shouldn't. We have something a lot better than that in Christ as Christians. As a Christian faith, we have a heritage that we should be able to sing. We should be able to sing and sing loud. Guys, we have a heritage. Listen, we have a heritage that we sing when things are going good and when things are going bad. Amen. That's our heritage. Man, I could bring these books up to you of martyrs for Jesus Christ and they took them to the stake and they burned them and they burned them at the stake and the flames were licking them up and they were being burned. These Christians were being burned alive and as they were being burned alive, they said they could hear them singing songs to Jesus Christ. As the flames were licking them, glory to God, glory to God, and they're just being burned alive for the glory of God. 
say, well, I don't know, Brother Keegan. That's kind of hard to believe. Do you not read your Bible? Paul and Silas were beat. They were whipped for preaching Jesus Christ. And they were thrown into the deepest, darkest part of the prison. And in the middle of the night, it was real quiet down in the prison. Way down there, they were in the deep, darkest part of the prison. They had been beat. They had been whipped. They had been thrown into prison. And in the middle of the night, the other prisoners heard something. They heard Paul and Silas singing. Singing songs to the Lord. Acts 16 said that they were praying and singing and the other prisoners could hear them. What a testimony. That's the testimony of our Christian heritage. That no matter if things are going good or if things are going bad, we will be singing to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That's our heritage. That's my Father's God. Some of y'all have a mother, you have a grandmother. Some of y'all have a dad or a brother, an uncle that you've heard singing songs. Some of these songs we can sing out of this old hymnal. When we sing them, it reminds you of your grandmother. It reminds you of your mother. I remember my mother. That was my mother's favorite song. That was my grandmother's favorite song. There's a heritage. And we should sing and keep that heritage going. So whenever our kids are in church, our kids can say, that was my dad's favorite song. There's a heritage. That's my God's father. But today... People don't have a dad or a mother that are singing songs to the Lord. There's no heritage being laid. There's no foundation being laid. There's no fo- These poor kids are being raised like animals. Nobody's disciplining them. Nobody's taking them to church. They don't hear anything about God. And they're being raised like animals. They don't have no heritage. How many kids today could say, I don't, my father doesn't have a God? A lot. Do you see the importance of getting your rear end into church? Amen. Your importance of saying, you know what? I, I might not be feeling good or whatever, but I'm going to serve the Lord, and I want my kids to see me serving the Lord. I want to lay a heritage that my kids can look back. When things are going bad in their life, they can look back and say, well, my, my dad, he always leaned on Jesus Christ. That's the heritage of my father is his God was Jesus Christ. My Father's God, verse 2, and I will exalt Him. See, it's all about Jesus Christ. It's all about exalting Jesus Christ. It's all about exalting Jesus Christ above all these other supposed gods and saviors. There's nobody. You, you, you think Muhammad has, has five songs written about him? There's 500 songs about Jesus. This is just a drop in the bucket. All the songs. I think, it's, I, think I was reading about Fanny, uh, Fanny Crosby. That she say, I think she wrote like 5,000 songs about Jesus Christ. 5,000. Muhammad probably has five or ten about him. Guys, you got the right Savior. That's why we sing. We sing to lift him up. We don't sing these songs to lift ourselves up. We don't, we don't sing these 7-Eleven songs as, I will praise him, I will praise him, I will praise him, I will praise him. Like Dr. Upman says, shut up and start praising him. Yeah. It's not about I, 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 I. It's all about Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. The blood of the lamb, the lamb, the lamb. It's all about the cross and what he did. I praise the Lord. I praise the Lord that we exalt him. I want to exalt the Lord, and I want to exalt exalt the Lord in a song. And I want to exalt the Lord in the right songs. Amen. 
What's wrong with the songs today, Brother Keegan? Well, if you look at the songs today, they focus on themselves. And they don't talk about the blood. And the, one thing I've noticed about these songs, I'm not saying they're all bad. I'm just saying I'm, I notice this stuff. You notice this stuff. They never call themselves sinners. They never saw, say, I'm a sinner. I'm, have, you, have you noticed how many times you're called wretched in this thing? Matt, do you remember when we were looking at that one song and said, I think this thing's messed up because they had changed worm to something else? In this book, it says you're a worm. I'm a worm. I'm wretched. I'm a sinner. I'm sorry. I'm no good. But he's everything. <laughs> See, that's something the world don't like. They don't like to admit that they're sinners. They don't like to admit there's something wrong. They don't like to admit that they're a wretched, sorry, no good sinner. But that's what this Bible does. That's all that this Bible tells you you are that way. But that God's not. <laughs> that's why we exalt him. Verse 3. Why do we sing? Because the Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Sometimes we sing songs just to exalt the character of God. See, they're singing that song and they're exalting. Hey, our God is a man of war. As a Christian, how do we sing songs about our God? We sing songs about our God. We sing about his grace. We sing about his mercy. We sing about his love. We sing about all these characteristics about God that makes him so wonderful. That's, what the song, that's why we sing. We sing so we can exalt him, exalt his character, exalt everything about him. It's all about him. And that's why we sing. That's why we should be singing. We should be singing. Verse 4, another reason why we sing is we sing to tell a story. And here's the story that they're going to tell. Let's read it together. We sing, the, we sing songs to tell a story. Pharaoh's chariots and his host hath he cast into the sea. His chosen captains also are drowned in the Red Sea. The depths are covered them, have covered them. They sank into the bottom as a stone. Now, if you go to some of these colleges, they'll teach you that the Red Sea was nothing but the little marshy ground. And they didn't really cross a, a sea. They crossed like a little marshy area where you go in there. Well, that makes, a lie, that makes a liar out of the Bible. The Bible says that they drowned, that they sunk down, that the water drowned them. How are you going to drown in a little swamp? You go, walking across a little marshy areas. Oh, this is such a miracle. You know what? Take this Bible over anything a professor says every day of the week. You do yourself, you do yourself a favor. Guys, when the Bible says that the Bible says that it's going to raise up those waters and that the, the waters came down and drowned Pharaoh, that's exactly what happened. And I don't care what any kind of professor tries to take a word and say, well, it really meant marshes. No, what happened was exactly what the Bible said. Look, look at uh, verse 6. Thy right hand, O Lord, has become glorious in power. Thy right hand, O Lord, hath dashed in pieces the enemy. And in the greatness of thine excellency, thou hast overthrown them that rose up against thee. Thou sentest forth thy wrath, which consumed them as stubble. And with the blast of thy nostrils, the waters were gathered together. The flood stood upright as a heap, and the depths were congealed in the heart of the sea. That's not marshy grounds, fellas. That's not marshy grounds. He said he's lifting up those waters. He blows that wind. The wind blows those waters up. And it says they congealed. It says they congealed and were congealed in the heart of the sea. They became hard on both sides. That's not marshy grounds. They crossed the Red Sea. That's a miracle. 
You can't get around miracles from God. And that's a song. They're singing a song about the miracles of God. Verse 9, the enemy said, I will pursue. I will overtake. I will divide the spoil. My lust shall be satisfied upon them. I will draw my sword. My hand shall destroy them. See all those shells and wheels? I will this. The enemy's after you. He is after you. And that's why we sing songs. We sing songs because it makes the enemy flee. We sing songs because we're in the battle. And we sing songs because we're marching. We're soldiers of Christ. And I know I pointed this out over and over again. This, this, these hymns in here, they're set to marching tunes. They're set to a marching beat. At the cross, at the cross. One, two, three, four. One, two, three. You're marching. You're a soldier. You're at war. And you sing these songs to, to, make, you, to, get, to make the enemy flee and to bring courage to your heart. There's somebody that's sitting in here that might need to hear that song sung. It encourages you. Verse 10, Thou didst blow with thy wind, the sea covered them, they sank as lead in the mighty waters. Who is like unto thee, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like unto thee, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders? There's nobody like God. Nobody. That's why we sing to Him. Who is like unto God? Who is like thee? Nobody's like Him. Guys, nobody is like the Lord God. It seems like that's my theme from Sunday school all the way up to this sermon. There's nobody like Jesus Christ. Nobody. I'm not singing a song to nobody else. I'm singing him to Jesus Christ. He's the only one that came up from the grave. He's the only one that died for my sins. He is the one that's worth singing about. He's the one that we're going to sing about. And they're glorifying God. And they're singing a song because they have a melody in their heart. Because God's done, some, done something wonderful in their life. Verse 11. Who is like unto thee, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like thee, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders? Thou stretchest out thy right hand, the earth swallowed them. Thou in thy mercy hast led forth the people which thou hast redeemed. Thou hast guided them in the strength of thy holy habitation. We sing songs because we are redeemed. It's just that simple, guys. We sing songs because we've been redeemed. What's redeemed mean? Redeemed means that you were in hock, you were in a pawn shop, you were under bondage of sin, the devil had you, and Jesus came along and with his precious blood, he bought you out of hock. He redeemed you. He said, now I own you. I bought you. You belong to me. You've been redeemed. Now let's sing about it. Let's praise God about it. You know, I was reading this story about this kid and he had this uh, bird cage and he was going, he's, he's uh, grabbing these sparrows. And he was capturing these little field sparrows. And this preacher was watching him. He had about five or six of them in this little cage. And he was carrying them around. And the preacher was watching him do that. And the preacher said, what are you going to do with those sparrows? The little boy said, well, I'm just going to go out here and kill them. And that preacher said, well, let me buy them off of you. And that little boy told that preacher, you don't want these birds. These are just sparrows. Uh, pastor, you don't want these. They're not worth nothing. Well, I want them anyway. All right, and so he, the preacher bought, this, bought the cage and bought the birds from that boy, and that boy was so happy, that boy walked off because those birds didn't mean nothing to him. And that preacher took those birds and he took them into the church, and he took, I mean, he took them outside and he took them away from the church, and he, he opened up that cage, and that preacher said when those birds, those birds went out and they were all flying, he said he could hear them tweeting, 
And he said when he, those birds were flying away from that cage and they were flying in every direction free, he said, I could hear them tweeting and it was like I could hear them singing, redeemed, redeemed, redeemed. Praise God. Those birds understand it if you don't get it. You're free. You've been set free. You should be singing everywhere you go. I'm redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed. Redeemed. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. When we sing that song, it should mean something to you. Why should it mean something to me, Pastor? Because you are redeemed. If it doesn't mean nothing to you, because you're not redeemed. Guys, we sing because we're happy. We sing because something great has happened. Man, we need to be singing louder in this church. We need, to, we need to be praising God that the Lord sent us somebody like Wade and Matt to help us sing to Him. God, y'all been, y'all been around here when Matt and Wade are gone. Gary's not here, so me and Brother Ronnie, we're going to pick on Gary for a little while. He's not here to defend himself. So what me and Ronnie have decided, and Gary, is we, 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 we kind of tag team it. Who, one takes, Ronnie might take a turn, then Gary takes a turn. So I said, I thought, I said, well, whose turn is it to sing when Wade and Matt are gone? And you can see them look at me like, I think it's his. No, I think it's his. I, Please don't make me. We get up here and we do the best we can, but it's not the same. It's not the same. And the Lord knows we're trying to do the best we can, but the Lord has blessed us with some music, with Wade and with, with Matt who can sing and sing loud. Guys, let's not waste their abilities. When you're not helping them sing, when you're sitting there like this, and you're just, you got the hymnal and you're just muttering the words, you're not helping nobody. You're not doing nothing to glorify God. Y'all studying Revelation with me, right? Y'all were in here this morning in Sunday school? Did you see what they were doing? Hallelujah! Praise God! Praise God! They were singing, they were shouting. If you don't like shouting and you don't like singing, you're not going to like heaven one bit. Because when I read and study about heaven, you know what I see them doing? Holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty. Praise Jesus Christ, the Lamb, the Lamb, the blood of the Lamb. We'll redeem, redeem, save from the wrath. I mean, they're singing all through the book of Revelation in heaven. It's all about singing and glorifying God. You were, you were created for a purpose. You say, I want to know God's will for my life. God's will for your life is to praise Him. Sing praises to Him. Glorify Him. And the best way you can do that is through song. Man, and we're redeemed. Man, we got the best thing going because we're redeemed. We're, we're, we don't have to live in sin anymore. We've got a Savior in Jesus Christ that bought us and purchased us. Look at verse 14. It's going to say it. It's going to say it. The people shall hear and be afraid. Sorrow shall take hold on the inhabitants of Palestina. Then the dukes of Edom shall be amazed, the mighty men of Moab. Trembling shall take hold upon them. All the inhabitants of Canaan shall melt away. Fear and dread shall fall upon them. By the greatness of thine arm they shall be as still as a stone. Till thy people pass over. They're afraid because they've seen this great miracle that Israel's God did. See, Edom and Philistine and Pharaoh, they have all their gods. And they set them up and they set little statues up and they pray to them and sacrifice to them. They all have their little gods. But their God's not like Israel's God. <laughs> their God can't do that. Remember whenever they, Israel gets in there and they go in to get the land. And they're all going through the land and they get up to the walls of Jericho. 
And they go to the walls of Jericho, and then jo Joshua sends in the spies, and the spies go in, and there's Rahab the harlot. And what did Rahab the harlot say whenever he, she saw Israel, the spies of Israel? She said, the whole land has heard about you and what the Lord God did for you at the Red Sea. See, they've been hearing about it. Did you hear about that? They, their God split the waters, and they walked over on dry land. And what did Rahab the harlot do? Rahab the harlot said, I'm going to do everything I can to help you out. I'm going to, I'm going to hide you. And get, but one thing, please, when you come in to take this, because you're going to come in, your, your Lord God's going to give you this city, will you please spare me and my family? And they said, will you just put a little scarlet thread out that window? And we'll know. That'll be a token between me and you. And that way we'll know and we won't hurt your family. That harlot, that whore saved her whole family because of her belief in the Lord God. She wasn't anything special. She was wicked, just like me and you. But she had put her faith in the Lord God, Amen. and it spared her. See, when we sing songs, we're reminding everybody else of what, how good our God is. I want people, when they're walking by, when they're driving by, I want them to see this church is singing, this church, they can hear it, and here we go. Man, when we have revivals in here, you can hear us. I bet you can hear us out there in the fields. Amen, I bet you can, because it gets loud in here. It almost turns, I hate to say it, don't, charismatic. There's people that actually start shouting a little bit. You wouldn't even think we were Baptists, we get so excited sometimes. <laughs> Praise the Lord for that. Amen, amen, amen. I want to hear y'all excited, I want to hear you singing, I want to hear you praising Jesus Christ, because he's worthy. Look at the end of verse 16. O Lord, till thy people pass over, which thou hast purchased. He's bought you. We're bought. We're bought. We've been, there's a price been paid. It's the precious blood of Jesus Christ. God bought you. And now you need to be singing about it. Here's the last one and then we'll close. Here's the last one. Thou shalt bring them in and plant them in the mountain. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Of thine inheritance in the place, O Lord, which thou hast made for thee to dwell in, in the sanctuary, O Lord, which thy hands have established. It's a place called heaven. We sing because we're going to heaven. And the Lord, Lord's hands have made it, the Lord's hands have established it, and that's where the Lord God's taken me. And that's why I sing. I sing these songs. When we all get to heaven, I sing those songs like that, and I sing it, and I mean it because I swear I'm going. I'm going to heaven. Amen. And see, when I sing about heaven, heaven's a real place. Amen. It isn't some kind of fairyland for some, like some people. Heaven is a real place. And let me tell you something else about heaven. Heaven's got a lot of my loved ones up there. My mom's up in heaven right now, and that's where I'm going. So, well, Brother uh, Keegan, what would you do to get, to, get, to get access into heaven? I didn't do nothing. The Lord Jesus Christ did it all. Amen. He's letting me in. And he's letting me in because it, well, there was a day in my life where I said, Jesus Christ, I know I'm wicked. I know I'm a sinner. Will you save me? Will you buy me? Will you purchase me? Will you redeem me? And Jesus Christ said, I will. I will. And boy, when, that, when the Lord took his arms and wrapped his loving arms around this old wicked sinner, I couldn't do nothing but start singing. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And that's why I sing. 
I sing because I have a Savior named Jesus Christ. And he's the best thing going. Do you not have a melody in your heart? Are you sad? Are you down? Do you not have nothing to sing about? Well, let me offer you a man named Jesus Christ. I'm not offering you a religion. I'm not offering you to go into a baptistry or, or a church or a denomination. I'm offering you a man named Jesus Christ who walked on this earth. He was the son of God. He walked among men. He did miracles. And then he died on the cross of Calvary for your sins and mine. He went into the grave. He was buried. The grave couldn't keep him. And on the third day, he rose again. If you can believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of this man, Jesus Christ, and realize that when you're praying out to him, he's listening to you. This isn't somebody, you're not praying to a preacher. You're not praying to, some, to the walls of the ceiling. You're praying and Jesus Christ is right there hearing every word you say. And you pray in faith with your heart, knowing he can save you. He will save you. I know he will because he saved an old wretched, wretched sinner like me. That's why we sing Amazing Grace. Amen. The old slave trader that was trading slaves and got right and got saved. He wrote that song, Amazing Grace. Who saved a blind man like me. Old wretched man. That's, that's grace. And it's only found in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Are we singing enough? Not near enough. We don't sing loud enough and we don't sing hard enough for as good of stuff as we got in Jesus Christ. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you. Thank you for loving us and taking care of us, Father. And thank you for putting a melody in our hearts. Lord, thank you for giving us voice that we can sing out to you and praise you, Lord God. And Father, I just pray if there's somebody in the sound of my voice that has never received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, they don't know of a time, Lord, that they have. Or, Lord, they don't know if they were to die tonight, Lord, if they'd go to heaven or hell. Lord, I just pray as we give this invitation, Father, that they'll come on down the aisle and they'll receive you and take you as their personal Savior. Lord Jesus, we just thank you to allow us to call you Father and call you friend. And we thank you that you allow us to talk to you and sing to you and to be friends with you. And Lord, I just pray you go with us through this meal and through the rest of these, uh, this time we're spending together, Lord God. And I pray your Holy Spirit moves among us and we'll have fellowship, Lord. And Lord, we want to thank you for this church, for the air conditionings. And Lord, the men and women, Lord, that are willing to sacrifice money, Lord, to, we can pay the bills around here. Father, I thank you for them. And Lord, I want to thank you for Wade and all the things he's done all these years, Lord God. Lord, I ask a special blessing on him and his wife and his, his whole, his whole uh, everything he owns, Lord, I ask you to bless him. And you, Lord, it's obvious you have. And Father, I ask you to continue to use him. And Lord, I want to thank you for the gift you've given him, Lord. And Father, I just thank you, Lord, that, you are, you had, that he has a parents, mom, a mom and a dad that raised him right. Lord, that kept him in church, Father, I thank you for them, Lord. And Lord, I thank you for the, the testimony you have through him in his life, Lord. Thank you for your love and grace in our lives. And we give all the honor and glory to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In his name we pray, amen. Hello, friends. This is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com. On the internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you would go to heaven? You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. 
So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3, verse 16, and most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's an amazing verse, of course, talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world. But verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, But he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it. And if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a Savior right now. The same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, Thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. And then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ because the mouth shows where the heart's at. And in verse 13 he sums it up. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you. And until next time. Casting all your care upon him